Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. This is episode 52 of Fatalist, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl and all things sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, and horror. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne. And Wayne, how you doing, man? What's the story, Morning Glory? Well, we're finally going to get to talk about Lost Girl for more than about 30 seconds. Yeah, it's kind of nice, actually, to get back to Lost Girl. I missed it. Or so that's the plan, anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's it's been a while. But it'll be more than 30 seconds, for sure. But yes, whether yes. it will be, you know, like, composed of 50% of the podcast tonight or not, that remains to be seen. Yes, and uh, hopefully we're going to disagree quite a bit tonight. And when we get to that point in the discussion, you know, that will become clear, I think. Yeah, but see, we did, we haven't really talked about this like you know before now, so it's still like like I know you've you've been leaving hints about your your feelings about the episode, and I've been coy as well. So it's uh, I think it'll be a surprise to both of us. Well, not not necessarily a surprise per se. Yeah, well, one of the problems we have obviously is when we get to see each other at work and have a chance to actually talk about this, uh, even though we're sitting about sixteen inches apart, it's kind of difficult to hear each other, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we've we've, uh, we've covered this ground before, but it's uh it's it's even more true nowadays than it, than it was before. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, I, I you know I think in terms of what we're watching, I think we're pretty much watching for the most part the same things. And uh, Monday, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh was man, really it is just. And again, I know we've said this uh, before, and, and we'll certainly say it again. If you haven't checked out the show, it really really is good show and and you know i, I want to backtrack even to sunday and it's a show i know you don't watch i know you gave the spinoff a brief chance but i'm starting to get disenchanted with once upon a time it's really starting to drag here in season three yeah did you uh use that uh that use of the word there disenchanted was that purposeful or uh well that was good. Oh, yeah well actually no i, I didn't you're like do it subconsciously witty dude that's awesome but I'm going to stick with it for a little while. But, you know, again, there's we're, we're at a good time if you're a genre television fan because there's a lot of good shows out there. And, and I think we've said before, we just don't have time for mediocre. Right. And that's why, I mean, I feel bad because I'm not even, I haven't even given Dracula a shot yet because you came yeah. back and you were like slamming it. I'm like, well, you know, exactly. Like, I don't even want to like waste my time with it, but yet I should at least give it a go. You know, but I read a review of it in Rolling Stone that said basically it was pretty bad as well. Yeah. Well, so. the other thing, you know, as I was scanning some items for for news tonight, and I, I probably should have gotten this. I'll, I'll definitely get something for next time. But apparently, uh, you know, the lead actor uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers is i don't know if they're accusing him of being a drug addict or you know they're going to withhold his salary i mean it's apparently it's some kind of a mess between him and the network so i'll have to Ooh. find out more about that but regardless i think the show's problems go beyond uh, you know anything that would be related to that so Right. Well, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like the main attraction for the show, right? Like Yeah, I guess. And if, if and, he like if he weren't like Dracula, I wouldn't even probably be considering watching. I remember when we started talking about this before, I thought it was kind of a crap idea like over the summer when you first mentioned it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you're going to have to check it out, at least the pilot. Uh, yeah, but there. you know, like Yeah, you know, I know. Well, it's it's like talk- okay, see my wife does this all the time, right? She'll like so there's like the milk that's maybe has gone bad or that piece of ham in the lunch drawer that maybe has been in there a day or two too long and she'll smell it and she'll be like hmm could you smell this i'm like no (laughs) you say it's bad i trust you you know go with your gut on this one you know so like you know like if i you hear from more than one source that the show is is uh is not good then yeah I, i feel like my my time is is valuable there's there's too many other good things out there, and Skyfall yeah. just came out on Netflix too. So, oh really? No, I haven't seen that yet. Ah, uh, have you seen the other two? I have not. Ah, uh, no. there's well, well, the second one is eh, 
The first one is awesome. And, uh, you know, because my son was actually watching Skyfall the other night on his iPod, you know, and I'm like, what are you, is that Skyfall? He's like, yeah. I'm like, have you watched the, the first two? He's like, no. I'm like, stop <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Go back. Because they're really also, you like this parkour thing? You ever seen that? No. Uh-uh. It's like you basically go from one place to another, just kind of going straight over and around things. Not not around things, kind of going over things. So you would do like, like you see these guys do like flips off of things or and over things and doing fancy ways of going over equipment and walls and things like that. So the Casino Royale starts out with a big chase scene. It's a big this big parkour thing where Daniel Craig is is uh, chasing this guy, and they're like running over construction equipment and jumping through windows, and it's it is awesome. It's like just this brilliant extended action scene that uh, you know. I mean, the rest of the movie is really good too, but that that scene is fantastic. Is it, lo- is it longer than forty two minutes? Unfortunately, Dave, I believe Casino Royale is longer than forty two minutes. Okay. You can right. break well, it up into chunks, so yeah. Uh, okay, I'll go watch it over three nights. All right. So uh now Tuesday, Agents of Shield, again, one of those shows like Sleep. It just keeps getting better, man. I, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think <laughs> what's what so many shows and like have trouble remembering what happened. What oh oh yeah, the last one was, was really good. Yeah, yeah, with uh Simmons and uh, and Ward go uh Go out into the field. Go into and, the field, and, and, yeah. Right? That's great. And, you know, I'm really starting to like Fitz and Simmons on that show. Those two together are just great, uh, classic, we didn't ask comic relief type characters, you know? Like, well, I think the interesting thing is how they've, you know, paired up the three groupings, you know, with, uh, you know, Ming-Na, I, can't, I can never remember her, her name in the show. May, right? Yeah, May, that's right. And the guy that's the leader and <laughs> Colson, Colson, Greg, like, like I know Phil. Yeah. Right. Colson. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, they've paired them up together. You know, they've got the, uh, you know, sky and ward paired up together. Yep. And then of course the two, you know, that you mentioned. And at, at this point, you know, there's no remant- or, uh, romantic leanings with any of them really. Well, I wouldn't say no, because there's certainly a, you know, the, the relationship between Fitz and Simmons is, you know, yeah, I guess going that way, and uh, but with the others, right? There's like with uh, with Ward and Sky, especially. You think, well, <clears throat> all right, I see sexual tension coming a mile away in here, but they really have not gone there with those two, and I think that's great. I think it's uh, <clears throat> not that no sex is great, but just for those two, I think they're able to develop as characters, and and Ward specifically. We, we wouldn't really buy it because he's like kind of like this ultimate soldier, right? Right. And sure. he he's the consummate professional, and would you know it would really kind of be out of character for him to you know suddenly become romantically involved, especially with a person who's his his student, right? Right. Well, you know, and I think all the sexual tensions on the end of the the fans and the viewers, not the not the characters. Oh yeah, really, one hundred percent. Yeah, true. Right, and fits. You know, they're just so socially awkward that that's really fun to watch those. Right, two. but we saw like when you know the not the last episode, but the previous one where um, you know she thought she was going to die and everything that that we really saw that there's obviously romantic interest uh, with those two. You know, though he didn't. He's only. He's only starting to see it, right? Yeah. Yep. Now, I think the last time we recorded, uh, something on the Skype connection must have worked its way into my DVR because Arrow did not record last night for me. Ah. Oh. So. Dude, it was a good one, too. Like, they, okay. they go to Russia to they right, run an well. operation. It was, it was good. Well, I'll, it, it, I think it's going to be up on the CW. They're usually pretty quick, I believe. They're they're really good up online. I, I believe yeah. with, with getting like they get them up like I think the next day. So you could probably watch it tonight if you wanted to. Yeah, so I'll take a look at that. And then uh, Revolution, of course, just uh, again, it just keeps getting better. And, and you know, we've got this little core of shows. It's funny Sunday through Wednesday, and then you know, for me Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm just kind of getting caught up because I'm always a day behind. It seems right. And actually Thursday is you, you alluded to it before, but is now my official guilty pleasure. I think is once upon a time in Wonderland. Okay. I'm not officially at a point where I think it's actually a good show, but it's got enough redeeming qualities that I'm kind of enjoying it. You know? Okay. Like if I, 
you know, it's not like I'm I'm thinking about much afterwards, and I don't think it like lends itself to that really. But it's enjoyable, and the guy I can't remember his name, but you know, I mentioned before he played uh, Tom on The British Being Human, and he's just great. He's just such a fantastic actor, and it's different because Tom was such he was kind of like a a simple minded kind of character, like a very naive kind of innocent not worldly type character and that's the exact opposite of what his character is like upon once upon a time in wonderland um but he's still got that let's that flair about him that i still see like some kind of glimpses of tom in him though the the his character is, is much different well i think the problem is there's room for one show like that i just don't think there's room for two Right. So I think w- whichever one you latch on to, uh, you know, I watched like about the first half hour of Wonderland and, and I liked it. I just, again, just didn't have time to get back to it. Yeah. And if it got canceled tomorrow, I wouldn't be broken up about it, you know. Yeah. But, and it looks like know, it might, but. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, like I said, summer fling, you know, like yeah, yeah. girl you meet, she's kind of cute, hang out for a little bit, but, you know, you go your separate ways and it was okay. Yep. So anything else you're watching? Yeah. Well, you know, The Walking Dead, but you know, there's you don't you don't watch that, but season four right. is, is is really strong. Just as yeah. always, it continues to uh to be excellent. And since we don't talk about zombies on this podcast, we uh you know, we'll just let that uh let that go. So right. all right, well listen, why don't we do a little bit of news? And I just got two items tonight, and uh, you know, in, in keeping with our shipping, well, actually, in keeping with my yours, shipping, yeah, don't don't yes. include me in that, brother. So, so there's a lot of Arrow fans out there that wouldn't mind if two of the crime fighting trio were to become a little more than friends. So, what does star Emily Bet Ricards, aka Felicity Smoke, think about all those Alicity shippers? Now, she doesn't think an Oliver-Felicity hookup's a bad idea and said their relationship has to take a few more steps before the pair share more than just some steamy glances. So what's got to come first in her mind? Felicity's got to develop more on her own before she becomes one of Oliver's many love interests. So in an Entertainment Weekly article, she said they kind of have to earn it. I understand that there are those moments, but they have to get to the point where there's the option because there honestly hasn't been an option. They're alone together sometimes, and they haven't really ever talked about it, or they've never hung out outside of the Arrow Cave. I don't want Felicity to get lost in Olicity moments. I would love to see Felicity do things other than things that revolve around Oliver. Once she does start doing other things, then Oliver's going to have his eyes opened, and I think that's the only way to do it, for him to be like, oh, something's missing. So... Uh, you know, I think it's a natural, but, you know, I- I'm starting to get a little bit like you with some of my shows that I'm not sure I want to see that pairing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think they're already kind of heading down that path that they, you know, once you start heading down that path, you can't really turn back. Like once you acknowledge it and everything, um, there's certainly been some little things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to, the, the last episode kind of deals with this a little bit. Uh, so I don't want to talk too much about it, except to say there's, there's um, you know, Summer Glau, who plays, you know, Oliver's business partner, thinks that, uh, already thinks that, that he's sleeping with Felicity. Like, Oh, okay. She's like, oh, well, she was just a, a you know, tech girl one day. Now she's your assistant and she wears like the tight short skirts and everything and she's blonde. So it's just funny because, you know, as us, the audience, you know, it's like dramatic irony, right? Because we, the audience know right. uh, what the relationship is there. But, and, and she thinks that, you know, Felicity is, is just a, um, you know, a, a bimbo who's uh who has slept her way into her position and you know, obviously nothing could be further from the truth so right but, but i mean the glasses totally negate the short skirts and the heels <laughs> and the and the hair but right right well do you, do you ever see the there's like uh i'm sure you have it but the, the movie not another teen movie it's yeah. probably about 12 13 years old but you know it's it's mocking out all those teen movies and uh, and so they make fun of how the, in, in all these movies, like the girl who's supposed to be like the ugly duckling who suddenly turns beautiful. But when she's in her ugly duckling face, she's like wearing glasses and has a ponytail. Oh, of course. So it's like this this whole oncoming joke like that. You know, these two guys like, you know, bet like here. I bet you I can ask any girl out to prom and she'll go with me. And so the guy says, OK, how about that one? And 
And the guy's actually Chris Evans, who plays like Captain America and everything. And he looks and sees this girl and it's like, oh my God, look at those glasses and that ponytail. You know, like, um, so yeah, that's, that's totally like, you know, like, oh, well, Felicity, like she's going to take off her glasses and all of a sudden, bam, she's, she's gorgeous. Right. Cause she's not totally hot with the glasses. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Now in, in the other piece of news and, you know, it's really to me a disturbing trend and, and I mean, I hope it works out, but you know, it's not just genre television, it's all. But in keeping with the recent trend in bringing comic book superheroes to the small screen, Netflix announced last week that it's producing four live-action dramas based on a team of Marvel's lesser-known comic book heroes. Companies already lining up producers to take the reins of the shows. So Lost and Buffy writer Drew Goddard is close to a deal to write and executive produce Daredevil, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Cool. Uh, Goddard's credits also include Angel and Alias, as well as World War Z. Right. Now, uh, Melissa Rosenberg is attached to the Jessica Jones Project as a writer and executive producer. And uh, according to a report at Deadline, the Twilight screenwriter worked on developing a show based on the same character for ABC three years ago. It didn't work out. But the character of Jones is a former superhero who, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, hangs up her costume and opens her own detective agency. Uh, so Netflix, at this point, the plan is to create 13-episode first seasons of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage. And we're looking at probably 2015, but, you know, like a lot of times, they're not really confirming or denying these reports, but it, uh, from what I can gather, it's probably pretty solid. Yeah. So, cool. well, the only one of those I know is is Daredevil, and who's an awesome superhero. As you know, like really, really cool as a superhero, but that movie just sucked. <laughs> yeah, I think the yeah. only thing good that came out of it was the uh, Ben Affleck Jennifer Garner union. Right, right. But, and, yeah, and, and not I'm not putting it on Ben Affleck. I think it was just a bad movie pretty much from yeah. top to bottom, which is even more disappointing because you expect like as a Daredevil movie for it to be like really good um because Daredevil's a pretty cool superhero. So maybe Netflix will get it done right. All right, well anyway, that's the news. So what do you got for us on Project X? Project X. Well, the one thing I'd like to report on Project X is that Lost Girl is, I think, reaching the depths of their encyclopedia or bucket of fate because I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like every time there's like a fade in here, you look it up, there's like zilch on it. So, um, like, you know, we got the now the uh, Una Mens, right? Um, I th said so you looked that up and it meant one mind, right. right? And there's actually a there's four like webisodes on the Showtime uh website, and one of them is like background about what the Una Mens is. So I uh, so no Unamens. I looked up Requerdo uh, coil and Requerdo compass and got a lot of websites in Spanish, um, but uh, nothing that seemed to hint at anything supernatural. I mean, I, I got a little, a little bit of a grasp on Spanish. I was able to read enough, but it was uh, yeah nothing. So I figured I would talk maybe then about half man, half snake people things. Because I knew there had to be something out there somewhere in the whole vast array of the internet about half person, half snake creatures. And of course, that one I hit the jackpot on. So here's what I got. The first thing, the mythological connection the main mythological connection i could find the actual valid real mythological connection is anchidna who is called the mother of all monsters so yes it was a woman not a man uh half woman half snake and uh and, and that's really about it <laughs> i okay. can find a lot more than than that so, yeah which you start thinking that maybe like some of these sources are all like they all are just like getting it from each other you know like there's sure. some original 
primary prime mover of inaccuracy that then is you know rebounds throughout the internet so well we're about what 50 episodes into the series so like you you kind of alluded to they may be just be running out of yeah they're just uh, like no we're just gonna make them up you know before there were ones that were actually from folklore and everything we're just gonna make stuff up now and you know whatever so I did find, and here's another, which I think is a cautionary tale about uh, what you read on the internet. So apparently there's a Philippine urban legend that there is, to some family, there was a half-man, half-snake child was born. And it got to be too big for their house. So they built a mall. <laughs> you mean like a shopping mall? Yeah. Okay. Over top of the layer in which they keep their snake boy. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, it gets better. <laughs> now, apparently. Now, this is a modern legend, too. So they have also set up snake boy with a series of uh, video camera relays into the various dressing rooms of the clothing stores in the mall. So that okay. snake boy can see women taking their kid off and trying on clothes. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, and then of course, at one point he sees like an actress or something, falls in love with her, goes to meet her. So she sees the actual snake boy, uh, but escapes. And then the family pays her off to keep her quiet. So if you ask the actress, she would of course completely deny having seen a half man, half snake. She might even act like it was a ridiculous thing to ask her. So the thing is, like, you would think something as ludicrous as this would only be found in, like, one source. But uh, unfortunately, I found this in numerous places, which some of them sounding like very sincerely believing <laughs> this legend. So it just shows you two things. One, there's no end to the uh, kind of stupidity of, of the human race is in the one hand and two how I mean, it's funny how like and there's actually i remember a couple of years ago a uh, an irish student had done this and reported that that some composer had died it's completely untrue uh like went to wikipedia and changed wikipedia saying this guy died and the next thing you know it's like in like all these actual like valid newspapers uh, throughout the world, it just all of a sudden like got picked up, and every, so everyone's reporting it. And the guy was still alive, so it just shows you how like the internet kind of like can compound how something patently ridiculous can uh, show make the up. rounds. Yeah, it can make the rounds, and 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 eventually some moron is going to actually say, "Dude, did you hear? There's like a half man, half snake in the Philippines. It's true. I saw it, man. Look, check it out." All right. So, so um, you know that's it. Really, I do have a grammar bone to pick, but I'll wait till we get to that. And okay, uh, all right. Well, we are episode one of season four, titled in, "In Memoriam," uh, written by Emily Andrus, which it seems like most of the season premieres have been directed by Paulo Barsman, who. Uh, did the season three premiere Caged Fay? Uh, oh, he's done. All, it's, it don't it, yeah. don't bother going into it. He's he's yeah, done it. Confagion. So, they're, but they're all like he's they're good. Like oh, when when Paolo is the director, you know it's it's going to be a good one. Though you might not agree with this. Yeah. So l let me just set the scene. Uh, you know the, the show opens and we got Kenzie working undercover. Really? Yeah, High heel boots, yeah, Kenzie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And like, she's know, trying like to discover big Black Ops mission, and as she scurries across the <laughs> the the floor, making like sounding like a like a a Rottweiler that hasn't has nails trimmed in about five years. Well, so you were surprised when she got caught? Then I guess is what you're yeah, saying. Completely surprised. Well, so uh, you know, it's some sort of shipping company, and at first you think, yeah, all right, are we in some kind of? Uh, a time warp because the the truck is very let's you know, probably do the time 40s. warp again oh, crap sorry i gotta be more conscious of that yeah, you just um, walked right into that one i know i know so anyway she's caught and you know then we, we get into this thing where she claims that she's not human and then produces these sparks from her hands dyson and hale have come there to rescue her and, you know, we, we learned that uh, because we remember, you know, there was at the, at, at the end of season three about her wanting to become Faye. 
uh, possibly. Right. And but very weak. Like, yeah. yeah, the guy was like, oh, so you are a fan. I'm like, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's kind of like, it looks like something she could pull off with like kind of cheap pyrotechnics, which yeah, technically which, what it was. Right. And, and, you know, but this whole first six minutes, you know, w- we really get the feel that, okay, what do we have here? Because Bo is, you know, nowhere to be found. Uh, Aoife comes and, you know, it's the whole thing that I'm trying to look for my daughter Here's a picture of her. Her name's Bo. Oh, that's kind of a dude's name, don't you think? Yeah. Well, she didn't and, share and, the picture yet. Right. And, and and nobody has any recognition. So you start to think, is this going to be like one of these, it's a wonderful life where we see what everybody's life would be without Bo? Right. Or, yeah. I, you, you definitely get a feeling right away. And, and we were talking about this before. It's like, yeah. okay, so season three ends with this big cliffhanger, right? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not bringing up jumping sharks, but just saying big cliffhanger <laughs> that to end the season. So yeah. you'd think that, okay, well, season four, what I thought was going to pick up right at the end of that scene, right? That then the, the, it's going to be the, the car going down everything like that. And it picks up like, and, and when they went from season two to season three, it's the same thing where all of a sudden it's just like, Everything it's it's like the the future, uh, you know, a couple, however, some, you know, indeterminate amount of time in the future, that everything is just kind of going on as normal. And you're like, wait, hold on, there was all kinds of stuff that's unresolved, and it, this looks like stuff's been resolved and everything. Right, right. But see, I'm even okay with that. You know, then, like again, whether it's Fringe, uh, was it season four or season five? I can't remember the, the whole one. You know, Peter Bishop doesn't exist. Season, season four, right. Right. And then he comes back and he basically has to re-earn right. his role in all of their lives. And I'm thinking like, okay, that's cool if they're going to do something like that. But, you know, then it's like, no, it's just somebody stole our memories and you know, I, I'm really, you can probably hear it in my voice at this point. I, I was kind of disappointed in this episode. And I, I, not that you have to pick up right where the season three cliffhanger left off. Uh, you know, if you want to ease into it, and maybe that's what they're doing, I'd be okay with that. But I, I, I really felt like you really had a cool storyline to, to use and then just kind of took the easy way out with the uh, the memory suck. Uh, so did you use the word suck on purpose there? Uh, yes, I did. Um, now, <laughs> yeah, the other- I, I, I agree. It, it does seem kind of facile, but I think you know, what you had pointed out, like the whole like Bo not being in the episode, I, yeah, I agree with you and, and to a degree that that's kind of problematic. You know, like here she is like kind of the star of the show and everything, and she's not even in it. Yeah. So how have, much, how long can you, you can't draw that out for any length of time, right? You well, can't. no, and I'm sure they don't plan to. I guess I just wonder why that decision was made. I mean, was it an artistic decision? Was it a business decision, personal decision? I mean, you know, I just don't think it's a good decision. I mean, you've only got 13 episodes. You're already a show that, now I don't want to say they're skating on thin ice because their numbers were solid. And, and the fact that it's produced by Showcase, uh, they keep the costs relatively low than they've been able to sell it to sci-fi and, and sell it to the sci-fi networks around the world. So, you know, they're certainly viable financially, but but still. Now, I don't know why she wasn't in it. I think it was a mistake, but okay. Then, and I'm not that big a Lauren fan. I mean, you know, she's okay. But, and then you don't have her in it. And then you don't have Tamsin in it. Yeah. I, you know, to me, the season premiere has to be arguably the second strongest episode of the season next to the season finale. And I'm not feeling it. Yeah, you know. <sighs> Convince me, man. Well, no, no, I, I, I don't know for sure if I disagree with you. It's a thing. Um, I, I like the episode. I would, you know, I, I'm definitely more liking it than not liking. Did I think it was a spectacular episode? I don't think it was spectacular, but it was enjoyable. I thought it was pretty good. That being well, said, totally agreed that, you know, like not having Bo there, I mean, there's a big gap in it. Now, you could say that that's artistically done because we feel the gap that, you know, like the whole time we're like saying, guys, we're freaking 
Bo is not around. How can you forget that? Like, what kind of a spell can make you forget that, right? Yeah. Um, right. So, agreed. And then, you know, not having Tamsin and Lauren in there as well, uh, you know, just kind of increases it because here's these people who are in pretty much every episode unless they borrow Bo's car to go out of town for three episodes. Um, but otherwise, they're in pretty much every episode. You come to expect them to be there. You, you want them to be part of the, the story. And uh, yeah, and then they're they're just they're just not so. But you know, I I am kind of reserving judgment, and we'll see uh, within the larger framework of the the whole season. Um, maybe we will be able to better you know judge this episode then. Right, and, and certainly Emily Andrus and you know all the other writers on the team have certainly earned enough goodwill with me that that you know I, I'm going to certainly give them a chance to see where they take it. Um, yeah, no. Actually, I, I, that was something I was thinking before. Like, they have an audience, right? And they have pretty faithful audiences. It's going to kind of stick with them. Um, and, and by by season four, you know, you know, you have an established audience that's going to take some, you know, some some curveballs you might throw at them. Sure. No, you know, so, uh, okay, we've got an A story, which I guess is this whole discovering the Ricardo coil and their plan to recover their memories. You know, once they figure out that that's what that little black thing in the, you know, on the bottom of the whites of their eyes is, and, you know, they, they go through this, you know, big journey. Now there were some great lines. I did like Dyson's line. Uh, this is not the Faye you're looking for. Yeah. Although he didn't say it exactly, but there was, at least in my mind, it was clearly an allusion to uh, the Star Wars. Uh, you know, Kenzie, uh, you know, very, this is very Raiders. Yeah. You know, so there were some good allusions. A little less that I liked. Uh, Nazi face melty goodness. Yes. I guess one of the other issues I had was with Vex. You know, we, we right. find, okay, Vex is now the Morgan, and yes. that he is telling everybody he killed Ebony. Right, but he didn't. Yeah, he didn't, and and Dyson knows that. Dyson. Now we don't know whether Dyson knows for sure he's got her in a cage uh, behind the wall. Pretty sure Dyson knows for sure. Okay, see, uh, you mean for just just by the smell? Yeah. Okay. All right. Regardless, and what I want to talk about is just Vex's outfits. <laughs> I, I, you know. See, I, I guess, again, the other thing that bothers me about this episode is, is Vex, and not so much Vex the character and the lines and the actions, because I thought those were pretty strong. It's just, what's with the ridiculous over-the-top outfit? But I that mean, is so Vex, man. Uh, like, if you give a guy like Vex, put him in power, where he could do anything he wants, you know what you get? Yeah, but... No, no, why, seriously, why would do you know you what get you get? That? This is where you say, what do you get, Wayne? Yeah, what do you get, Wayne? All right, thanks for stopping my joke there. But you get okay. Graceland is what you get, right? Oh, Graceland Grace was just Elvis having a buttload of money and someone just saying, hey, Elvis, you can have a house and do whatever you want with it. And he's like, okay, let's see. Um, I'm going to make a tiki room here and uh, I'm going to have a basement. I'm going to have like televisions on every single wall in the basement. So, you know, like Graceland, I love Graceland because it's totally like, like give a guy who was just like, uh, grew up in the sticks in, in, uh, Tennessee or Kentucky or where did he grow up? Kentucky, right? He's from Kentucky, I think. Yeah. Uh, give I'm him like sure. tons of money and set him loose and that's what you get. I get, and actually, I think it was Mississippi, but um, oh yeah, yeah. Sa- same difference. <laughs> Whatever, he's from the south somewhere. We just pissed off all. all the yeah, fans forgive and... me, people from the south. Uh, yeah, I get. I, I don't know. I think we'll have to just agree to disagree on that one. I, I just, it, it just, I like the fact that the show is light. You know, I, I, I don't want it to become this ultra serious show, like say, it's like Sleepy Hollow or or Arrow, which are you know obviously very dark. But I, I don't know. You just for my taste, it was just over the top because Vex is a great character. And, and, you know, the fact that he is now the Morgan and he does certainly allude to the fact that he did some pretty despicable things, even for him to get his mesmer back. Right. Which is not where he was at the end of season three. Right. Right. So like all of a sudden now he's back to being the, the old bad Vex 
times 10, right? right? And we certainly get the idea that he's not a good administrator, right? Because the, you know, the Ash and the, and the Morgan, they have to be administrators. And yeah. I think and that's terrible. terrible. Well, you look at his desk. I mean, yeah. I thought that was awesome. You know, it's just fi- file folders piled, you know, all over the place. Well, they're like and, scrolls, right? But, but, yeah. uh, but still, yeah, it was, it was piled. Like he obviously clearly has done absolutely nothing right. to actually perform any kind of duties, but is really enjoying the perks of being uh, the Morgan, which is that you can, you know, get whatever crazy outfit you want and uh, and and wear it, and everyone has to like it. <laughs> you know, right. No one can say anything. I just I, I thought it was. Um, I, I I just thought it was appropriate for for his character. Okay. I, I, I was still I was like, what the hell is that? I mean, that was like the the most ridiculous looking outfit ever. But you know, when I thought about it, I was just like, oh well, yeah, it's like kind of like Vex would would definitely be into an outfit like that. Well, I guess the argument would be that, and he even points out to the crowd, and, and we've heard it several times in this episode that the Una Men's are on their way because apparently. Things have not been going well in this little corner of the Fey Kingdom. And I guess we're to make the assumption that the Una Mens, they oversee the light and the dark. Yes, definitely. So that, you know, they've got power. And Vex realizes he's not going to be in power for much longer. So he's going to enjoy it, I guess, while he can. Exactly. He's he's going to fiddle while Rome burns, right? And uh, he, you know, he he actually says, well, he doesn't say gather you rosebuds. I can't remember what he says, but he's like gather you something while while you may or something like that. So, right now, uh, now the the other interesting thing, you know, without Bo, the dynamic between the the different characters, and obviously one of the most, uh, or I'm sorry, obviously the one that strikes us first is the one between. Dyson and Kenzie, yeah, which kind of catches us off guard right there at the beginning. Sha, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> yeah. But then I'm thinking, well, they had some chemistry. Yeah. Oh, no, no question about. It. But you know, it, it. But you know how she says at at the end, she's like, you know, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, and, and he even says at one point. Remember, he backs off. Because he's thinking about Hale and the fact that Hale really likes her. True. So it's just like, it was just, when they first kiss, because when they first kiss, uh, we don't know that Bo's not around. Right. And so it's like, really like, what the <laughs> Right. But I what think what, what, what I like was, I mean, but that just reinforces you know, what we know about Dyson and that he is morally upright, you know, that, that, you know, he was before, you know, he lost his memory of Bo and, and he is now. And even though the relationships have changed, though that he's hasn't clearly changed. already slept with, you know, Kenzie. So, Oh, you, you know, think? I think so. Yeah. Okay. She's got like her, you know, underwear all around and stuff. Right. Well, I mean, that's her place, right? Yeah, see, I, right. see, I'm well, like, true, I'm, but it just seems like like the familiarity with each other and the like the kiss. I mean, clearly not like a first time kiss. Though he's just, I think he's just still kind of like a whoa, this is weird kind of stage and everything. But I think it's already reached a certain point in the relationship. Okay, now you you already mentioned the snake in your uh, Project X, but what mm-hmm. we haven't mentioned, you know, Engelrum, the collector, and he collects. Fay memorabilia, and that's played by George Takei. So, George what, Takei. Was your, what was your take on that? Uh, first of all, George Takei looks like a porcelain doll. Okay, <laughs> um, but it was awesome to uh, to see him, you know, employed. Yeah, uh, I get, see, and, and again, that was a uh, God. I I know I I like negative Ned here tonight. I mean, I literally grew up with George Takei, you know, so that, uh, you know, like for you growing up, you know, these were Star Wars reruns and, and you know, obviously I'm well, a little bit no, older. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say, because I, I, was, I was in the Star Trek a lot earlier. You got to remember that Star Trek was like heavy in the syndication. I mean, like that's really when the show got popular was not so much when it was first on, but when it was syndicated later and it right. was on all the time. And I watched that religiously. I bet you I've seen... Pretty much every episode of Star Trek at one point or another. So okay. step back, man. Okay, but I got I got sy- Star sy- Trek sy- cred. Syndication, rerun. Anyway, yeah. all right. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know my point. It's look, 
Bill Shatner. Oh, Bill, is it? You know, I mean, I, I love him, and, and and I love him in anything, and you know, even as he's he's aged. Uh, you know, I, I still love him. Leonard Nimoy, obviously, you know, when he showed up as a character in Fringe, that was awesome. I just was wasn't feeling awesome. it. Yeah. I just wasn't feeling it, though, about George Takei. And and I mean, yeah. I, I just, again, I don't know if it was the character he was playing in in this episode or, or what, but. Well, I just, because I missed the, because when they, they, the, they were doing the opening credits, and the second time I watched the episode, um, I was looking for it, and I realized that George Takei's name came up while they were in the diner uh, talking with Aoife. So I, I completely missed it the first time, so I wasn't expecting him. Uh, and then when he does show up, I'm like, hey, George Takei, cool, man. And then uh, after a while, I'm like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Ugh. but yeah, so. uh, but you know he was he's still probably kind of cool to the role though like a certain I don't know yeah know, I mean it'll be interesting de vivre, I guess I don't know yeah I mean I don't know what the plan is if we're going to see him anymore or not um, uh, you know I thought it was cool though that basically whatever woman he chose at this party got to have a wish granted and he was very surprised that all Kenzie wanted was the compass. And, you know, he gives it to her, you know, very freely. And I guess if it wasn't for Dyson coming in and spearing him with, uh, I don't know if that was a, like a mini trident or yeah, some sort like of a, a spear. It's like a pike. That, uh, you know, we're not sure what he would have actually done to Kenzie, but, you he know. just swallow her whole, right? Didn't yeah, that what he said? I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, and, uh, that. That that snake, head. but it, it was just funny because it's like he's got like you know his human head to one end, and then the other end, like like it looks like a, a snake head, and that just just the physiology of that is like baffling, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Now you know what about Kenzie? I mean, what about her decision? You know, I, I was going to say what about her decision to become Faye? Because really, that's what I think it was. She got conned by Massimo. Yeah, we said last season how shady that dude is, right? And so yeah, like, but she got conned by him. Sure, but because he's a shady dude, and shady—that's what shady dude. But this is Kenzie. People. This is Kenzie, right? But Ken, my, Kenzie but cons other she's people. She's up against like a druid, though. You know, like uh -huh. okay. She's a, a lot of the stuff that she gets involved with the Fey world. She kind of is a little bit out of her depth, kind of just you know. I don't know. Yeah, no, but, no. I think you're right. It just was very surprising. It, again, it was almost. Like without Bo, things were the same, but just kind of off a little bit. Yeah, true, true. Um, but also, see, Massimo plays on how much Kenzie wants to be Faye, right? And so, like, Kenzie just, she's like the girl sitting on the side who just wants to be in the game, but, but you know, like, no one's picking her, right? Right. So she desperately wants to be a Faye. And he could just play on that. You know, he's like a like a drug dealer. I th I think we compare him to. I think we did before, like last yeah. year. Like said, he has like kind of a lot of aspects of like a drug dealer, right, and everything. And and that's exactly what he, he's like a fae, you know, drug dealer. And he's got Kenzie hooked, and she shows all these, you know, um, traits of of the junkie. Right. I'm good for it. Right. Know? And just I'm guessing give me, just give me a little bit more. I'll, I'll I'll get you on the next time around. You know, stuff like that. Right, and I'm guessing it didn't take her long to figure out she'd been conned, but by that point, it was too late. Too late. But was you know? seriously though, what was she going to do anyway? Like, how is Sparkles going to do anything to like the half snake dude? You know. Well, that's like, true. I, it, I was just thinking, like, even if you could use your fey powers, it's I don't think it's going to be very useful in this situation. Yeah. Now, I think this may have been the first time we've seen Kenzie dance. Um, yeah, we've seen her do like some crazy action sequences, but okay. like, yeah, dancing. And obviously the girl can dance and, and, and I can know she? from, Holy yeah, cow. yeah. Well, she, she is a, she is a trained dancer. That, you know, well, I had, we, I had read that before yeah, we she, knew that. she was in black Swan. I don't know if you saw black Swan or not. Uh, I still have it, but I'm thinking about actually seeing it. Um, it's, it's. Wow, I'll just say it's disturbing. Let's leave it at that. You'll probably like it. I think I liked it, but it was very disturbing. But she plays one like my wife. It's like oh, I thought, it, you know, I thought it was a ballet movie. Which okay, I'm like, all right, I don't want to watch a ballet <laughs> movie, but you know, okay, you clearly know, it's I'll, not. I'm watching it. I would not be watching it for just a ballet movie. 
Well, I watched it, and then I'm like spent half the night with the blanket over my head because it was just so scary. Oh. Yeah, we'll leave it. But anyway, she played a dancer in that, and I had read that she was classically trained, and it really showed. I I thought that was pretty cool. You know, she was – you know, said, all right, let me do, let me do my thing and he'll pick me. And, and of course he did, although he then had some little offhanded remark about her tango looking, I forget what he says, very uh, pedestrian. I don't think he says pedestrian, but I think that's what he. I, I, what I he believe that, that Chris Holden Reed also has uh, yeah. some, some dance training there too. Um, and, and he was, was very good, but you know, really Cassini's solo was just, yeah, she carried it. And, and Grid, I'm not one to judge because I don't I all I can say is to me it seemed like it was really, really good. I don't know anything about dance, um, but to me she seemed fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and kind of like kind of overshadowing the the two uh the two guys in, in that one. Yeah, and I thought that was what it was supposed to be. Now, but the other thing though, and and did you look, the first three seasons we've been so focused on you know to a large extent on the love triangle between Bo, Lauren and Dyson and now here we've got this other triangle kind of going with Hale, Dyson and Kenzie. Right and that's uh you know the, the great lie when in the beginning when Dyson was you know he stops kissing Kenzie it's just I was just thinking about Hale and she's Oh, that's very open-minded of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great line. So, uh, um, but but yeah, that uh, that that little triangle there, and to say there were not uh, some homoerotic overtones to that dance scene, there uh, there definitely were. I think. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, not like uh, Miles and Monroe homoerotic, but <laughs> right, uh, right. but uh, yeah, uh, and, and you know, the other thing that I, I really felt bad for Hale because I think. Can't think of his name. Uh, Casey Collins. He may be a fantastic dancer. For all we know, he may have been trying to look like he couldn't dance. Right. But it just really you felt bad because you know he's in love with Kenzie. Yes. And and we know she's not in love with Dyson. And you know you just really felt bad. I mean, you wanted those two, uh, but it's just not going to happen. Well, she's gonna, and, and, if, and that's one thing that I was not crazy about with this episode. It says, I, you know, I like uh, Hale a lot. Yeah. And I think they, you know, they're they're making him out to be this pathetic third wheel. It sucks. You know? Yeah. Like, it yeah, takes but, away his, uh, like, his total. Now, granted, he does almost kill Vex, and that was pretty cool. But still, this whole thing of him being like the the poor sad sack who's gonna you know you know the like the sit and watch as the the jock comes and sweeps up the cheerleader and you know he's like ducky from pretty in pink sitting on the outside all the time like no no hale's not like that yeah well see and i'm glad you brought him up because i that's kind of like the natural person to talk about next and i agree with everything you just said uh he even mentions that he's the ash in disgrace but the scene with Vex, it's like, geez, suddenly he grew a pair, you know? Yeah. And well, he's always had a pair, you know? It's just, uh, but uh, I don't think we've ever seen him this, like, vengeful. Yeah. And cold-blooded. Like, he was ready to kill Vex. Well, he says, I'm going to end you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know why he didn't, actually. Well, you know, I don't either. But obviously still at this point, you know, it, it's they're, they're, the pieces are starting to come back together. It's, he even says, you know, you fought by our side. You betrayed our agreement about Ebony. You loved Kenzie, right? How could you, you know, how could you do this? And you understand. But then I guess the un- interesting thing is, you know, that fight scene, if you will, I, I guess, it, and and as Vex says, he loves a good Mexican standoff. I guess it was pretty interesting to see how all three of them were pretty equal in power. Yeah, but when it came down to it, the the siren blast. Uh, well, you're seemed, not kidding. Definitely seemed to trump over Vex's power, which is, as we know, is considerable. Now, here's well, did he make I, his ears bleed? Uh, I wasn't sure if I, I saw I blood on I, his. I didn't. I didn't catch blood. I his little ruffled I, collar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the little Shakespearean ruffled collar. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But you can answer me this question because I'm like thinking, why is he so pissed off at Vex? Because, all right, Kenzie wanted to meet with Snake. Now, Grant, she didn't know he was half Snake. Right. But that was the plan. They wanted her to win. They wanted her to meet him. So how is this Vex's fault? Like, what did he do besides, I mean, he yeah, he got him into the party, but they wanted into him into the party. Dyson threatened uh vex to get into this party so at what point i'm not sure is this like vex is engineering it so kenzie gets hurt well i mean one of the questions we don't have an answer to yet is how much time has elapsed from the end of season three to where we are now it's certainly been alluded to that things have not been going well between the light and the dark so much so that the una men's have to come in and apparently police things, at least temporarily, although you know how that goes. It's supposed to be temporary and it ends up becoming permanent. Right. You know, so we don't know, you know, what's been going on. I mean, we know he's not the Ash anymore, although we're not sure he was really ever suited for that job, really. You know, the other question that I can't let go, you know, it comes back to who's responsible for wiping their memories and why? Uh, I, I mean... First, you know, the uh, first suspect is clearly the Wanderer, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to make a bold prediction that somehow Bo is responsible for it. Uh, okay. You can go ahead and predict it. I'm going to predict that that prediction is completely wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, you, you you brought up the Wanderer. Okay. So, right. We, we end season three. You know, the car's going over the cliff. And I think virtually everybody in the Lost Girl online world was holding on to the fact that that we could see that black smoke coming out of the car. So Mm -hmm. we figured that that somehow got Dyson and Tamsin safely out of the car and that the Wanderer was probably responsible, right? Yes. I mean, that's how we all, we pretty much interpreted that ending. So now we've got, Apparently, at the same time every day, Dyson's is he got his phone on a timer or? Yeah, because he he goes back to the 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 scene of the accident every single day, right? At, apparently, at the same time, yeah. And he says that if it wasn't for Tamsin saving him, he'd have been dead. Right. Well, okay, but yeah. then what's the deal with the black smoke? Well, he, he also said. If I hadn't shifted, I would be dead too. So. Right, and, and that Tamsin apparently had something to do with him shifting. Right, uh, you know, we see in his, you know, those brief flashbacks that he's, you know, we kind of see him. I guess it's it's in between the shift, or or, or rather right. during the shift. You know, that's certainly still up in the air. So you know, while you know, I've certainly had a lot of nitpicks with this episode. I think the possibility for cleaning a lot of it up for me is still there yeah that's what i'm saying i'm gonna i mean i i i enjoyed it i found it very enjoyable i thought it was a uh it it, the pacing was great it it moved you know there wasn't any dragging points it moved well uh had that dance scene which was you know which was really good uh had vex in it which was great had george takei in it maybe he wasn't awesome but he was still in star trek so there you go. Um, yeah, I just, I thought there were a lot of redeeming things to it. I think there was some really, as you said, like some glaring kind of at the, at this point, kind of negative things about it. Like the fact that Bo is not in it. The fact that Lauren, we only see her at the very end. The fact that we don't see anything of Tamsin at all. Um, are, are, is Lauren going to be a redhead this season? Yeah. I don't know. That, that work, that look is not working for her. So, um, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that, you know, she, uh, takes off the wig or whatever. Yeah. And that'll be interesting to see what they do with her because, you know, obviously that's Lauren, that's Dr. Lewis. And, and, you know, we do hear about, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, she tricked Dr. Taft and, and, you know, all of that stuff that we saw going on with Taft apparently happened. Right. And, and we, we know that she's in the clear cause I remember we were worried that, uh, the Faye would be after her. Right. Uh, because thinking that she, you know, killed Dyson or whatever, um, 
because Dyson wouldn't be around to, but Dyson's back. So, you know, Trick knows and everybody knows that, that Lauren is, uh, and helped she still, save Dyson. And she's on her at least third name now, right? Now she's Amber. Right. So anyway, yeah, obviously she will be back because we see her recognition with, with you know, the, the bow and, and all of that. Um, we do have a new addition, hopefully as a recurring character. I mean, certainly in this episode, and that was Mia Kirshner playing the nymph that comes on to Dyson at the bar. And, you know, we know her from Defiance, right, certainly Defiance. As, as Kenya, the proprietor of the... The uh, ex-proprietor, right? Ex-proprietor of the local whorehouse and saloon. And, and uh, she also was in a number of episodes of Vampire Diaries, and she had a, a large role in The L Word. So, okay. you know, but, but obviously genre fans know her as Kenya from Defiance and uh, Vampire Diaries. I thought her character was great. I mean, I, I just really liked it. She had some great lines. Uh, you could see a little bit of chemistry there. You could see her and Dyson having some sort of a fling or whatever somewhere down the road. So I, I don't know what the plan is for her. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It could be just a one-time guest spot. But, yeah, she was really good. And, yeah. uh, you know, like the character was, was very funny. Yeah, apparently Dyson doesn't think much of nymphs, though. He doesn't at no. all. He's no, no, got no. a rather low opinion uh um, geez, he might as well have called her a slut. I mean, geez, really? That would be bad. That would uh, be bad. And uh, so, now he does because he's he's like kind of like you know he uh, he's, he's actually kind of a gentleman about it. you know like he's like I, I I don't want to be involved with you. I don't want you really talking to me. But he's still you know polite about it. It's not like he's rude or nasty like that. With yeah. it, uh, so now now we haven't talked about trick. And we see him in a lot of little spots. I mean, certainly the the meeting of Aoife and, you know, out in the street. And it's like, oh, hello, daddy. And then, of course, after she gets her memory back, hello, daddy. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's like, this is my hate that's keeping me going. But, uh, you know, yeah, trick- she's got to say she's got daddy issues is a gross, gross understatement. I think. Right. But, but the first time we see Trick, uh, you know, at the doll – and this is, I think, even before we really – and I could be wrong on this, but I think it's before we've put all of the memory loss together where he's saying that somebody's been messing with the balance of space and time. And, you know, well, I don't – Yeah, well, it's the doctor, right, because it's the 50th right. anniversary and, coming up. Right, and I don't know if he's, you know, alluding to the fact that, you know, that, that pretty much – Everything is is rather chaotic among the light and the dark, and that that the Unamens is coming in for that. We understand that this new council is their purpose is to make sure that the old laws are followed. So then that leads us to think, well, what old laws are not being followed? Uh, perhaps one of the most obvious one is the, you know, the the connection that the Light Fae in particular have with humans, uh, and certainly with Kenzie and Lauren. So perhaps that's something that's going to come up. Could be. Kenzie also mentioned Stella, so we know that uh, we know, we know that happened. Uh, but Kenzie also but, asks Trick about Lauren, and in terms of relationships that were a little taken aback by, again, in the past, Kenzie always had a lot of problem with Lauren, and and I think a lot of it was that you know she felt like Lauren was kind of invading her BFF. Ness, right? That that she had with oh, yeah, Bo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, competition as far territorialism over right. uh, Bo for sure. Right, but here they've become, and again, without Bo, uh, you know, she even mentions that hey, she's you know not only my my friend, but she's my human connection. I mean, it's just the two of us. You know, we're, we've got that bond together. She calls her. Was she calling her to ask her what to wear? Or I forget, I forget what it was. It was something. And I guess the call went straight to voicemail. Yeah, I, th- I think I can't, I can't remember exactly, but it seemed like it was just kind of a just checking to see how how you are type thing. And the thing about that is when she says, you know, just think, give me a call back, Lauren, and I'm like, can't do. Like I felt like I knew she was talking to Lauren. You know that I don't think they need to throw in that little bit at the like. I just sometimes I think that TV shows. Um, dumb it down like too much, you know, 
And so I just thought that, well, I, I already can tell. I, I'm pretty sure that it's Lauren. Now, you don't have to tell me for sure, because actually I think if you leave it, um, you know, uh, ambiguous, it's even better. Right. And I think in a show like this, and I think in general, genre th- genre shows in general, you don't have to do that. Y- your audience is... Your audience is pretty smart, I think, by and large. Right. And if nothing else, you give people something to talk about. Who was she talking to? Blah, 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 right. You know, like well, I guess, though, this is the last episode that we're going to see Trick, right? Because Aoife kills her. Well, clearly <laughs> not. Come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, really? Like, like, why did they even bother going there? Like, like you're going to kill off Trick, seriously? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, somehow, I think not. Um, so. but, but good to see Aoife. I mean, no question. Oh, yeah. Did they have her back in in full crazy, vengeful form? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, where they go in episode two, all I know is we better see some bow in episode two. Well, and, and, I just assume she's the, you know, the Sleeping Beauty, right? Yeah. that uh, That's talked about in the title, Sleeping Beauty School. So we will see. I mean, the big thing is like who's responsible. You say you say the wanderer, and yes, uh, we wonder how long, if at all, are, are is it going to be until we find out the identity of the wanderer, uh, which uh, I think we're all pretty sure is also Bo's father. Um, we know is Bo's father, right? Okay. That's says uh, Tamsin told us that. So how long before we and find? And I said that. Ages ago, so yeah, yeah, you did. You're right. <laughs> I, just, I just keep going to the well on that one. Like, know, if I'm if I'm never right ever again with my predictions, I'll always have Paris. Right? Yeah, and I guess the only bad side of that is that you can't use that at home with your wife. True, it's not going to get you anywhere. I can't. So, I, uh, I, I I I can't get anywhere with that woman anyway. So yeah. <laughs> and we better stop while we're yeah we'll while, we're, we're while we're still married yep so uh all right well anything else we're yes i okay. said i had a grammatical bone to pick and i will pick it okay okay so dyson at the end there says that uh they're going to i can't remember like like hale's like what are we gonna do he's like but and, uh dyson goes by finding whomever could have erased the memory of the one we love most okay First of all, it's whoever, yeah. dude, okay? The relative pronoun that is also the subject of the noun subordinate clause there, whoever is the subject of could have erased, not whomever. So, like, why would you go with whomever if it's wrong? Like, usually you would go with whoever, and if it were whomever, you know, like, most people go default to who, not whom, right? Right, right. And in fact, I think it's, it, it, I think we're even close to whoever being correct in all cases. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, just, I mean, in, in the case, changing language. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's, I agree it's, with it's you. A, on that. You know, it, it's a compliment to the Jaron finding there. Right. But I think, <laughs> we, I think we've really well established the fact that people that grew up knowing that they were Faye did not attend high school. True, but he's been around a long time, and he grew up in the British Isles, so well, he should know how to actually speak eh, English. But he was doing a lot of killing back then. But so yeah, not... that's that's no excuse. I'm sure if you know he was looked like he was like with the noblemen, right? He wasn't just some common schlub, so well, he probably would have received you know good Latin education, so he would know his grammar. I'm yeah. just disappointed. Yeah, you're uh, you're probably right. <laughs> so. Second thing, okay. Now I know you haven't seen this movie. But for those people who have seen Spider-Man 3, you can't help but think that that black stuff coming out of the basket at the end of the episode looks a lot like the uh, the, the black space costume that uh, that Spider-Man starts wearing. So it's, it's basically like this, this, this being from outer space comes down and Peter Parker finds it and it creates this black Spider-Man costume. But then he starts getting like an attitude and being like, you know, all nasty and stuff. So, and that's what it looks like. Like okay. that kind of like that creepy black stuff. Yeah. I mean, I. I so if Spider-Man should be in the next Lost Girl, that would be totally awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, crossovers are the, uh, you know, the new, th- new trend, right? Yeah, I don't know if they have the budget to have Spider-Man in their well, show. That sounds probably, like that would be very expensive. Yeah, I get a Halloween costume dressed. Uh, right. just somebody up in it but uh 
All right, Wayne, anything else? I think that's it. All right, well, fortunately, you know, now after like, what, about six or seven, eight months, uh, we don't have to worry about what it is we're going to do next. Right. Because we know what we're going to do next. Well, yeah, we're going to do the next episode. Yeah. So, I think, uh, right? That is what you're talking about, right? Yes, that's absolutely what oh, okay. I'm talking about. Yep, <laughs> yep. So, all right, well, listen, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the website's back up, you know, we were doing a little bit of minor tweaking. So, uh, you know, the Facebook page that is, uh, the website fatalist.podbean.com. You can leave us a voicemail there. You can send us an MP3 with your thoughts on this episode. Uh, you know, you can also check us out on Twitter and Twitter. We're pretty much just, you know, using that once a day, once every other day to keep you up to date on what the plans are. So, uh, and you can access by, us. by were Dave means he. Yes. Well, it's, you're 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 handling Facebook now, and uh, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay. Well, well, you know, we'll see. by I, handling it, it sounds like I'm actually doing stuff with it, and I'm I'm kind of not, but I'll I'll try to get on it. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I think for the most part, look, I know myself as a podcast listener, and and you know, you and I both listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, you know, I listen to the podcast, right? You know, I don't necessarily go to the website. Uh, you know, I mean some, but you know, so, so we get it. as long as, Hey, as long as they can find the podcast, I'm sure they're happy, but, uh, you know, we, yes. we definitely would like to hear, you know, yeah, what send them th- some feedback or I'm going to be forced to come up with my own feedback. Ah, nice. I'm, I'm playing a scathing review of this episode right now, actually. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Until next time. You made Ash who talks like Batman go boom.